Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Thank you for joining us for Everything Under the Sun, the AccuWeather podcast. I'm your host, meteorologist Regina Miller, joined in the studio by Andy Robb, my producer. And this week, Andy, we are talking about the Ironman competition. That's right. The Ironman, like the name in triathlons, not just in the United States, but global. Right. I can't imagine the extreme athleticism that it takes to complete one of these courses. Just the training alone that goes into it, preparing in advance. Right. Training and also, you know what, is always a problem. So not only your physical condition, but the weather scenarios you may encounter during the Ironman competition. Because you have athletes, they're not all in one place at once on a route. They could be... One's hundreds over here, of one's miles. over here. Yeah. They can be hundreds of miles apart because you got the swimming, you got the long range bike race, the marathon. So we'll be talking to a few folks from the Ironman organization about weather safety and then how you plan for these events because they're taking place all year long globally. And we're also going to be joined in the studio by Joe Lundberg. He's a long range meteorologist, but he has completed a couple of Ironman competitions. That's right. He's going to join us to talk about his experience with the Ironman triathlon and how they all work together to keep people safe and stay ahead of the weather. Right. That's all after this. Well, Andy and I are joined in the studio now by Joe Lundberg. He's been with us here before, and he has done the Ironman Triathlon. He's a meteorologist here at AccuWeather. And we are joined on the phone now by Beth Atnip. She is the VP of Global Operations. And John Birch, he is the Director of Global Safety and Security, both for the Ironman Triathlon. So thanks, everyone, for joining me today. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, I'm really interested in this, and I was actually talking to Joe before we even got started here on the show because it is amazing to me that all of this can happen in one day. But I kind of want to ask you, John, first to explain to me about the specifics of the Ironman Triathlon, what it is, and how it all got started. Certainly, yes. Uh, Thank you and good morning. Aloha. Ironman has been known to become more of an iconic brand, but the origins came out of about, came back from 1977 when a group of individuals in Oahu were trying to determine what was the toughest sport, whether it was swimming, cycling, or running. And uh, they decided to combine all three of the disciplines together and come up with what is now known as the Ironman Triathlon. So in 1978, uh, 15 competitors started what was the 2.4-mile Waikiki Rough Water Swim, coupled with a 112-mile bike around Oahu, and then uh, followed up by a 26.2-mile run, which was the Honolulu Marathon course. And they would compete with those three disciplines in a back-to-back scenario. So trying to compete and complete all three of the disciplines in one day. On February 18th, 1978, they did that. Um, Winner of that was Tom Warren in 11 hours and 15 minutes and 46 seconds, which was uh, pretty spectacular. 
what the uh, Lieutenant Commander Collins had said, if you swim 2.4 miles, bike 112 miles, and run 26.2 miles, you can brag for the rest of your life that you're an Ironman. And so the enthusiasm and the legend was born of Ironman, and it continued on through um, currently, which we just experienced our 40th year anniversary. Wow, that's amazing. So I, I know that it's widely considered the most difficult one-day sporting event in the world. And Joe, you have done this event. I've and so done I want to ask you twice. That's amazing. So tell me about tell me about your experience doing it. Well, the first one was not under the Ironman brand. It was in Penticton, British Columbia after they had moved to Whistler, and I got invited up by a friend of mine who lived in Sydney, uh, Vancouver, British Columbia. Said, "Hey, I'll train you if you come up here and do this event." So I said, "Sure, why not?" And that was only going to be for the 70.3 for half an Ironman, and then I said, why don't you train me as if I'm going to do the full thing? So I went up and did it, and I managed to finish. Even though I wanted to quit on the run, I wanted to hand in my timing chip about halfway through, and I just kept saying, no, I gotta, there's a couple of people in mind that have been rooting for me and training for me. I can't do it. If I walk to the finish line, I'll get there, and I did with an hour to spare. And then I enjoyed it enough that I said, I'm going to do this again. And so I went back to 2016 and did Whistler, and I was able to shave 45 minutes off my time, so about 15 hours and 15 minutes, something like that. That is congratulations. Thank you. Great. Now, something I never thought that I could do when I weighed 270 pounds a number of years ago. (laughs) Now, Beth and John, did you guys ever do this? Just just out of curiosity. Yes, we we have both done the Ironman triathlon, and I I know, and John can speak for himself uh, as well. But I've done, I have done six full distance Ironmans and endless 70.3s, and and mostly did most of them prior to working full time for Ironman, but. Yeah, I started back in in 2002 and and came from a, a swimming background. And then John, you you obviously I'll let you speak kind of your background. Yeah, Beth's a phenomenal athlete and looked up to. She actually, Beth, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't you also coach out uh, some athletes I, as well? I did. I did. You're correct, yeah. John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Beth. Beth's a great athlete. Um, yes, <laughs> I, I think uh, all of us try to when you work for the organization. Um, it really gives us a different perspective if you go out and compete. And so in 2006, I competed in the World Championship here in Kona and then um, have a number of 70.3s um, that I've raced in, uh, most recently in 2017 here in, in Hawaii as well. And that's where I'm based. I'm in Hawaii. Well, as, as one can imagine, there's all sorts of weather issues that you can face in a competition on a course that spans such a, a large coverage area of land and water. So... Tell me how you prepare for that, uh, you know, ahead of time. And then if you're running into weather events at the actual time of the event. You know, let me let me jump in there real fast because I, I do I do. I think it's super important that we talk a little bit about the history and, and how AccuWeather became involved with um, the Ironman brand. Ironman has 300 events currently worldwide and our portfolio of events includes um, not only triathlon, but also running events, including the Rock and Roll Marathon Series. And we're currently branching out to the um, Abbott World right. Marathon Majors. We also have uh, mountain bike racing, adventure racing, and and we're expanding very heavily in the, in the China market. When we originally started looking at our risk factors and what, what could be our true potential, we decided that weather was going to be a we didn't decide 
statistically weather is probably our biggest risk. And so we knew we needed to close that gap and try to find a supplier that could help us with managing the weather portion of it, focusing on what they do best. And uh, after looking around and, and talking to a number of different providers, we focused in on AccuWeather. We were very, very pleased and, and have been uh, with AccuWeather and what they've been able to provide us. And I think both Beth and I, and that's the reason we're here on the podcast, because of the the actionable intelligence that we receive from AccuWeather that gives us the ability and our people on the ground to make valuable decisions, instant decisions that could have re- real world consequences on many people that are, are participating in our events. And to, to kind of piggyback on what John um, said, so we um, at Ironman started using AccuWeather during the 2017 season. So this is, you know, our third season of having AccuWeather as provider. And, you know, we have events now with the acquisition of the Rock and Roll Marathon Series um, and that happened back in 17. Our North American uh, calendar basically spans all year. So we have events in January and our last event takes place in December. So we really don't have any down periods. And so when you look at all the weather possibilities in all the regions that we're operating in, uh, week in and week out, we know weather is all, as John said, is going to be our, our, our greatest risk. Um, and so in, when we added the AccuWeather technology, and it really provided our teams on the ground and, and our teams monitoring the events every weekend just to be in front of everything. And so, you know, how we operate essentially is we have a, a person on the ground that's kind of what we call our, our, our lead guy, boots on the ground, and then we have a person from afar that's assisting with this. So that no matter what happens through a monitoring, if, if one person's busy, there's always two other people that we can get a hold of. So being in an outdoor venue, you know, we have a couple of things leading up to the event. We have our expo and athlete registration where we're, you know, majority of our events are outside. So we're dealing with tents and we're dealing with pop-up tents. And, and then you have the race day scenario. So being able to make decisions 30 minutes, you know, and having that 30 minutes Advanced noting, advance notice, and even knowing before then is so critical to what we do. Um, and what makes you know so some of the things that we do so difficult is, especially at the Ironman distance, the full distance, um, you could have athletes, you know, still swimming while you have athletes on the bike um, that are spanned across, you know, a 50 mile radius. On a 70.3, you could potentially have athletes in the swim, on the bike, and on the run. And so while this is different than a concert where you have a single venue, you know, we have athletes that are, take 2,000-plus athletes that are around, you know, 112 miles on the bike, and that's just a bike, you know, and then you got to worry about another 26 on the run. And so it really what AccuWeather has really provided us is visibility down to the mile um, where weather is tracking. And, it, you know, we, we worked on this for a while, and, we dialed in a process with AccuWeather, and it's it's been phenomenal. And we're able to prepare so far in advance to make these decisions. Um, the last thing we want to do is be in a place where you have to cancel an event, um, but certainly athlete safety comes first. It's been a great process over the last three years, and we, we feel we've got a really dialed-in process now and, and really don't see how we could operate without AccuWeather. Um, it's, it's been so great to have them AccuWeather as a tool for us. I know you just stated, uh, Beth, that the safety of the participants is paramount. We as athletes, you know, I'm speaking for myself in this case, um, we understand that, you know, 
what we're doing involves inherent risk. I mean, uh, you know, whether it's swimming in the water, waves, um, you know, the water temperatures, or riding out of the bike, whether you're dealing with heat and humidity, same thing on the run, there's, uh, you know, or just vehicles, uh, you know, on your path. You know, there's right. inherent risk in all these things. How do you guys strike that happy balance between the two, especially as it comes to weather? Well, certainly when we're looking at new events in the first place or just looking at where events take place, certainly we, we try to obviously have an event during a time of year that um, is, is more positive from a weather perspective. However, um, we do know that there's always a risk. You know, like, for example, we were in Boulder this past weekend. Um, there's usually storms that pop up all the time. It's, it's normal protocol. So it's just how do we deal with that? So what we do from an operational standpoint is we know since weather is always a potential, we have backup plans and then backup plans are backup plans. So, you know, we, we deal with, we know we don't wait to the last minute to, to like, okay, what do we do if we cancel the swim? So we, we know we kind of have different variations that we go through. Do we have a shortened swim? And if we can't shorten it, we move to a canceled swim. And if we cancel the swim, we move to this and that. So having those plans in place and preparing for that, we get ahead of it so that if we do have a weather issue, we know how to act on it. Um, in a best-case scenario, we'll, we'll know the day before that we've got an issue so that we can even plan you know, more ahead. So, you know, like this past week, and I'll use an example, at uh, Ironman 70.3 Eagleman, um, there was some, a weather front um, the day before that was creating some issues on the swim, and we ended up um, not being able to host the swim or have the swim on race day. But because our guys knew about it and, and were aware of the situation, we were able to work ahead and get all our timelines aligned. You know, because as an, as an athlete, and I can speak about this because I've been through it myself with the canceled swim at one of the events I've done, you know, we, we just look to the organizers to give some direction and what do we do next. And so we have all that planned out and we run every scenario. We run scenario where weather is in the morning before the swim. We run scenarios where it happens during the swim, during the bike and the run. So you so have like one- mock trainings or something on how to prepare for it? Well, the, the the events where we have issues actually prepare every time something like that happens, it helps us the next time. But what we do um, is we have all the kind of pre-planned timelines in place. So, you know, because basically when we're dealing with as many miles as we are on the road, you have to be off a road by X amount of time. So we'll run all the scenarios and ha- we'll know we'll have this much time to get all the athletes started. So we don't necessarily do mock scenarios but we do have all timelines adjusted and then what we do after an event where there's a weather situation we will inform the other teams that weren't on site to let them know how we dealt with that so that the next time another scenario comes around we will be even more prepared to deal with it oh okay so Um, each time is a new uh learning experience especially if you have a uh, and a cancellation when an event is actively going on those are one of the more difficult ones to deal with because um, you got to deal with timing situations. How do we, you know, how do we give out awards? How do we get out world championship slots? There's a lot of other things that go on behind the scenes and just the, you know, what you see swim bike run. So we use those learning experiences and make sure we, we you know, talk, talk about that on weekly calls. Yeah, and part of it, too, um, is that the athletes, they've been in training and preparation for this. For some, mm-hmm. it may be their first Ironman or 70.3. And they don't want to be disappointed to say, well, I came, I trained all this training, and now you're canceling the swim or something like that. But you still have to consider what's most important in terms of safety for all of the participants, whether it's the first time or the person who's doing it for the hundredth time. And I'd like to redirect that a little bit because 
no no event, no venue, and no no race on any given day is the same at any event. Mm. Um, there are so many different variables, whether it is the temperature, hot or cold, wind, course changes at the last minute, whatever it could be. So every every single event that we host, even though we try to replicate them, are still, without a doubt, an individual event amongst itself. Mm-hmm. And so our job as an event producer and event organizer is to try to make that event as challenging as possible so that the athletes that signed up for an Ironman are going to experience the difficulty, the competitiveness, excitement of crossing that finish line. Mm -hmm. But on the same regards, our responsibility as well is to try to make that venue and that race course as absolutely safe as possible. When we talk about learning experiences, we do do after actions and we talk to our guys and we try to we try to build upon the success of, of what went right and what went wrong. And know that you're not going to please everybody with whatever decision that you make. It's just the nature that's of the game. That's part of being a meteorologist, too. Well, that's true. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. So tell me about some, like, what are some of the most difficult scenarios that you guys have encountered maybe on uh, the race day or the competition day? Because I know you had a few uh, that we had talked about ahead of time with in Florida and Galveston, for example. Can you tell me about those situations? Yeah, and those were two different scenarios, but both were AccuWeather was tremendously helpful in, in making sure we executed our plan. So last year at uh, 2000, at the 2018 Ironman Florida, which actually was supposed to be in Panama City Beach, and we had to move it to Haines City, Florida, um, six weeks out due to Hurricane Michael. So we are, you know, but Haines City in itself is is one, another one of our host cities. So we were familiar with the the race, but we, you know, physically had to move a full distance Ironman in six weeks' time. So that was that was challenge number one. But once we got on site, um, there was actually um, this was on Friday night, so our expo was kind of coming to a close. But we still had some act. We have a lot of activity. Um, we were getting ready to have what we would call our welcome ceremony where we, you know, have a runner show, we have videos, it's a celebration, it's to welcome our athletes, and, um, you know, we had guys out on the water, and I noticed the front moving, and as it was moving, it was picking up speed, and it was picking up strength, and was essentially heading straight for a venue. We did not have that's a tornado warning in our city, but the I don't know if it was even quite the next county over, but it was pretty darn close to our venue. They ended up having a tornado warning, and because we were able to track it again down to the mile, we were able to make all the calls to our staff. We were able to shut, we actually shut down expo registration, made everyone leave, because again, we're outside in tents, uh, right. definitely not where you want to be in the middle of a major thunderstorm. We had staff members out on the water, we got them off the water. Um, and then, you know, went through a whole 30-minute window of dropping all our tents down, uh, putting extra sandbags on, doing everything we needed to do to get everyone inside safely before the big storm hit. Thankfully, as I said, we we'd actually did not encounter a tornado at um, in Haines City um, proper, um, but we, we used the information from AccuWeather to not only get our guys to safety, but we also made the call, knowing how the storm was tracking, to actually cancel the welcome ceremony that evening for the safety of, of everyone and ended up rescheduling the next day. Um, so that was kind of a pre-race scenario. 
And again, that was that worked out extremely well. We had great communication on the ground, and and having a meteorologist on call 24/7 um, with the tracking is is so important too, because I can just pick up the phone and, and talk it through them and kind of talk through what we think is going to happen. So fast forward to this year at um, 2019 Ironman 70.3 Texas in Galveston. Again, we knew the day ahead. Um, that we were probably going to have some some weather fronts move through on race day. And, you know, in order to get as many athletes the full experience, obviously we 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 had everything kind of planned out. We had shelters located um, on the course, which is normal operating procedures. Again, you're dealing with an outdoor venue. Um, it's extremely difficult to, first of all, athletes, you know, they're, they're out there for a purpose. They want to finish. They want to run through that finish line. So you, it's communicating to the athletes, it's getting them off the course and being able to do that in a quick enough time. So we made the call um, far enough out before the, the really heavy storm moved through. Again, we had athletes still um, out on the run. You know, this is one of those scenarios where we, and I believe we were either getting the, the last few guys off the bike or had just finished the bike. But this is one of those scenarios where we ended up having to make the call to actually what we would call suspend the race with only having just under 300 finishers uh, crossing the finish line. Um, and then ultimately we ended up canceling the event. Um, and again, the with the wind and the tremendous lightning, it was completely unsafe um, to have our athletes still out there competing. So we were able to uh, implement our plans, which was having the pre-located um, uh, gathering place and, and meeting space to, to get our athletes off the course. You know, those are those are scenarios you don't want to have. But as a event organizer, as John said, when you have 300 plus events, you're you're going to have um, at some point. And so, um, you know, having uh, making sure our athletes were safe, making sure the spectators were safe. You know, and let's not forget about our volunteers as well. I mean, those are those are people that are out there helping us and helping those athletes achieve their goal of getting to the finish line. So we obviously safety first for the athletes, but it's everyone else that's out there working on the event. So, you know, again, we were able to track the individual cells in the storms and, and we knew when the, the storm was going to hit. And so, again, we're able to get ahead of it and not lose, you know, a lot of equipment and, and everyone was safe and sound. So those are kind of, you know, some examples of, of what we deal with uh, week in and week out. Now, how do you let the athletes know, like, mile by mile? Like, so, let's say you're in the midst mm-hmm. of an event and something right. starts happening at that point in time. Like, you know, you talked about out in Colorado. I mean, we know that can change on a dime. So yeah. how do you let them know? Yeah, so we, again, part of the planning process is having a communication plan to the athletes. So we have various timing points and where the shelters were along the run course. We have, we secure um, a volunteer with a staff member to make sure that we direct the athletes off. So, you know, as you can probably imagine, it's it's impossible to literally just, you know, tell 2,000 people to get off the course at one in a one-minute span, right? So it does take a few minutes, which is why you have to start the process early enough. So by the time that the heavy storm or the biggest threat comes in, everyone's off. So it's just finding the specific points, what were predetermined, and having staff members there to direct the athletes, answer questions, and have the volunteers there as well because they, they, they will ask questions and they'll want to know what's going on and they'll want to know what's going on five minutes later and five minutes later after that. So we, you know, obviously with our race staff, have our radios and our communication tools that we use 
but the staff members are really there in place to make sure those athletes do get off the course. As an athlete, like, what are your biggest concerns as you prepare for the race? Like, how do you prepare? Like, what is some of the weather where you're like, oh, geez, we're going to have this or that, (laughs) you know? The biggest concern I would be would be thunderstorms. I mean, just lightning in, in, in an outdoor venue just don't mix. Because that'll, that'll, be the thing that shuts down your exactly events. i mean if it's rain it's you know you just you know you slow down your speeds on 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 the bike a little bit but you can you know you can deal with that you know you just have to be a little more safe you know on cornering and braking and descents and stuff like that and running you know it's you know, most of us have run in the rain so it's no big deal but um extreme colds would be another thing you know you, you're exerting yourself like that and you're sweating and then you're trying to lose heat and try to you know make sure that you don't lose too much and and, and all sorts of other bad right, things because then if you get wet like yeah. or you know if you're sweating and then you get wet but, then you have but to thunderstorms run. to me would be the, the the one thing that'd be most scary to me i don't know about uh, john or beth but yeah, I mean, I, I think, and, and again, going, uh, having now uh, be, been an athlete and now working for Ironman, you know, for me, um, it was more about the nutrition and how the nutrition ties mm-hmm. into the weather. So, you know, one of the, the more difficult things with weather is an event that may start out, you know, in the 30s, but by the run, it's in the 70s or something like that, where there's a huge weather swing. Um, and, you know, a lot of times heat um, is for an Ironman athlete that's out there for, um, 15 plus hours that, you know, that that's just planning and, and making sure you have everything kind of dialed in. Um, but yeah, I would, you know, again, thunderstorms and things like that, which are completely out of your control, right? So it's, you focus on the things that you can control, making sure nutrition, I have the proper equipment and I have my sunscreen and whatever, but then it's, it's, you know, knowing and, and, and understanding that the event organizer will kind of what I say, have my back when it comes to they'll make the decision for me, right? So if there's a, a situation where it's not safe, they're the ones expressing that. So, you know, that's what we try to do, uh, you know, obviously at Ironman is, is use all the tools that we have. But I think, you know, to, to, to make those the best decisions for the athletes. And and what about, like, excessive heat? Like, so you said you, uh, Beth, will adjust, like, your diet, like, leading up to the day or – yeah, it's it's more around the hydration and and really sodium and, and potassium intake. I mean, there's a whole you can get in a whole nother lecture on on nutritional science, but I think um, it's just finding the right balance between too much fluid, not enough fluid, sodium intake. Um, you know, there's a reason why at our events, you know, we have electrolyte drinks, uh, drinks and and water, and then in addition to that, you know, we'll have some salty offerings on the run chicken broth um, and and chicken broth you it's know, become you my it. elixir chicken broth is... <laughs> i love chicken broth i do um, i do too i now at any kind of endurance event i make sure i have it in one of my water bottles because it is it is significantly cut down on cramping and has allowed me to go through mm-hmm. without cramps on these long distance events you know it's being smart listening to your body mm-hmm. but um that's why you know when we the iron man for example we have eight stations, you know, every 10, you know, roughly, I mean, it varies 10, 12 to 15 miles apart on the bike and, and usually every mile or so on the run. And, and, you know, we have, we have, when you look at our global calendar, we have 
uh, events all over the place. Um, some are historically cooler, some are historically hotter. And athletes, you know, we do the best we can to communicate that to the athletes and provide information so they can best be prepared. We have our race doctor that normally addresses the athletes and, and our athletes and talks them through kind of the best, you know, best planning scenarios for them prior to race day. Well, can I ask each of you, what was your, like, worst weather situation that you had to deal with specifically just getting through the competition like what was one of the hardest things that you had to deal with i'll start with you joe uh heat just the heat heat and cramping yeah you know just uh, you know when i did iron man whistler i cramped up on the bike you know climbing up those big hills from the pemberton flats up to whistler village when that's when the course was a few years ago and I happened to stop at one point in the, at the, near the end of a climb and looked down. There was a bottle of Gatorade lying in the sun, and I grabbed it and found it. <laughs> it wasn't even yours. It wasn't even mine, but I, but it was there. You know, you God know provided, what? and I took care of it, and my cramping went away, and I was able to finish. And then I was able to one run, walk, and finish. But, uh, yeah, heat, heat was the, the biggest that's called of. That's called perseverance, Joe. Exactly. <laughs> you do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Well, I, and, yeah. and, and I'm sure that you, John, uh, and, and Beth, uh, too, understand that, you know, you don't panic. You know, you think, okay, what do I do now? What's the next most? Because uh, I would totally panic. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm not. I'm not that kind of athlete. You, you don't want to do this. I run a couple miles every other day just so I can eat donuts. Um, so, like for me, I can't even imagine like that. That is grueling. You know, to to be going through that. So, like for you, John, what what would have been your most difficult? I think to reflect on your on your question, it's actually finishing. When you pull into perspective. The length of the race, you know, we're on a full distance Ironman, you're traveling 140.6 miles, 2.4 on the swim, 112 on the bike and running a marathon. And so you're out there from sunrise to a little after sunset, anywhere from 12 to 15 hours for some athletes. And so you're going to get, you might go through all different types of weather from being cold in the morning, getting out of the swim to rainstorms to um, extreme heat and sun and then um, cloud cover and possibly a thunderstorm while you're on the run. Uh, for me, when we raced, when I raced in um, 06, um, it was a beautiful day. We had great, you know, Hawaii, everything's sunny and 80 degrees. But that evening, uh, enrolled a, a massive uh, tropical um storm with some serious downpours so much so that at one point they're actually talking about canceling uh, or redirecting the finish line because the finish line was flooded so when i ran across the finish line i was in knee-deep water as we came around uh, but that was uh i'll tell you when you can see the finish line and after a full day like that knee-deep water is nothing you're going to get the, you're going to cross that finish line you're just getting another swim you just did an additional <laughs> swim is what it is exactly and how about you, Beth? Do you have a specific situation where it was just like gruel? Like, well, I know the whole thing is grueling, but any specific yeah. situation where you look back and you're like, "Wow, I can't! I just can't believe I went through that." Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I think back to to all my Ironman and seventy point three experiences. Um, there was one event that was in the middle of July. It was it was it was hot. I mean, it wasn't the worst. I mean, because you know, obviously Ironman Hawaii. You know, and I had done that before. That was in the the mid nineties. But has a a pretty nice breeze when you're out there. But there was another event, and it was just it was a half Ironman. But I came out of the the swimming, my body just could not I could not get it to cool down. And so from the swim on, 
I mean, I was in the hurt locker and, you know, I had, I had everything dialed in. I just couldn't figure out what was going wrong. And I, you know, I'm, I, I'm one of those athletes that recognizes when it's time to stop, but at the same time, I, I wanted to still continue. So I just had a, what I would call shut it down, meaning just, <laughs> I really had to slow down. And I remember the last six miles of that half Ironman, um, run and, um, yeah, it was, it was completely miserable. And, I finished, um, and it, I took, it still took me a while to recover. So, again, it, it wasn't necessarily the hottest um, I've ever trained in, but it, it, and actually on that particular day, it, they actually shortened the bike due to the heat. So it was a significantly hot day, and, again, that's another example of, of what we have done and, and, and sometimes have to do. Uh, but, again, when you get to a certain point and you just you, you cannot get cooled down, um, so I think that was kind of, you know, I think it's hard sometimes for athletes to say, have that inner voice say, okay, you you gotta you gotta slow down. It's not it's not worth it. So as a coach and an athlete, and uh, I just took my my own best um, you know feedback and 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 learning tools and just said, okay, that's enough. <laughs> right. So I was okay walking that day. I was okay. Yeah, yeah. As long as you were finishing it. And and how long are you guys down for afterwards? Because I can't imagine that you do anything the next day. <laughs> you eat a lot the next day. Do you? <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> you can binge watch TV oh, and just eat whatever you want. The stories that, uh, that I have from uh, from eating the day after and from the friends that I know who've done it, oh, you just don't want to get around us. Just don't get in the way of food. Right, right. <laughs> it's like starving. So, Well, um, yeah. I appreciate talking to you guys. Now, I just wondered uh, if someone wants to know where and when some of the upcoming events are. Do you have some of those that you can mention? Well, yeah, I mean, I think the easiest thing to do is just go to Ironman.com and you can click on our events pages. And we have their events broken out by region. So even if there's people that are interested in, in international races, uh, you know, for example, this past weekend we had eight events. We've got four global events this weekend. So, you know, this particular weekend coming up, we, we don't have any events in North America. But as John said, you know, in, in any given weekend we've got running, we've got mountain biking, we've got triathlon. Um, we've got it all. So I think Ironman.com and then going to the specific region that you're looking for is probably the best way um, um, to go for someone looking for um, their first event or if they've done, you know, events before. Well, maybe you'll see Joe at one of those. I, I plan on doing more, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm crazy, love but I love you. it. I love it. I love it. I do. I just, uh, it's one thing I've, I've discovered is I like endurance events. Yeah, once it gets under your skin, it's hard to get out. Yeah, it yeah. is. I don't know. Maybe I'll try it one of these days. I don't, I'm, I'm not promising anything, but I. But maybe. maybe I'll, so. I'll help you get there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Thanks so much for talking to us. Really appreciate it, you guys. Thank you for having us. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you very much yeah, for having us. It's absolutely amazing, all the amount of work that these athletes do. That's really impressive, but also all the stuff that goes on behind the scenes to make all these events happen. So, you know, big thanks to Iron Man for joining us. Right, and thank you for joining us. Tune in next week for an all-new AccuWeather podcast. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to AccuWeather's Everything Under the Sun, giving you the stories behind the weather and so much more. New episodes every Thursday. Just search for AccuWeather on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or visit AccuWeather.com slash podcast. Hey. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 